Sometimes life can get so crazy and busy that we just need to stop. And Lord, we ask this morning that you just help us to stop and to focus on you. Father, we're here for you this morning. We're here for you to speak truth into our lives. We're here to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, we ask this morning that you would help us to just stop and to rest in you. Father, may everything that's said and done this morning glorify your holy name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
take a few moments to stand up, step out, turn around, shake a hand. Welcome those around you to our service this morning. All right, don't sit down. Let's continue to sing to the Lord together this morning. And I will sing forever of your love. Come down with my hands to heaven. Shout your praises love. I was lost in darkness when you pulled me out. I will sing forever of your love.
come down with my hands to heaven shout your praises loud i was lost in darkness when you pulled me out i will sing forever of your love come Oh, every knee will bow before the lion 
folks that we do want to mention uh, that need our prayers this morning. Uh, we'll start with Dorothea Lebo. Uh, she had surgery uh, this past week on Friday, had knee surgery, and it went very well, and uh, she was to come home tomorrow, and so I'm assuming that uh, that took place. So pray for her. Um, she's going to be going through some uh, rehab and therapy, uh, but pray that uh, all goes well. Uh, keep Sarah Markle in prayer as well. Uh, she had hip surgery on Friday. Uh, she's still in the hospital, however. There was a couple of glitches uh, that uh, made her stay there, but um, she'll be fine, but probably will be moving uh, to some rehab center uh, after the Harrisburg Hospital. Uh, so keep Sarah in prayer as well. Um, also, Joe Miller, Jerry's brother. Um, we have an update. Um, although uh, the lung was uh, clear of cancer, uh, they did find a mass uh, in his large intestine. And so pray for Joe. I know he's very weary. Uh, all of this uh, is taking its toll on this young fellow. And um, so pray for Joe. And then also, um, and I know some of you know her. Um, I, to be honest, I don't, although uh, she is kind of a neighbor of ours as a church. Uh, Jenny Lesher. Um, she lived all the way up at the cul-de-sac on the left-hand side of Fellowship Drive. Uh, she passed away yesterday morning. She's been fighting cancer for about 10 years. And um, she went into the hospital this past Wednesday. 
and um, she had died uh, just yesterday morning. Um, so I know all of that because they contacted us for uh, Thursday night to possibly have something here at the church. Not a service, but maybe like a viewing or just a place where people can come and pay the respect. So uh, pray for the family. Uh, you know, very difficult. I talked to Kay. Again, I don't know Kay, but this is Jenny's mother last night. And I kept saying to myself, you know, this just isn't right. You know, the parent should lose a child. Uh, so pray for that whole situation. <coughs> Just a very difficult uh, situation, as, as you can imagine. So let's come before the Lord this morning. Father, we are thankful that we can approach your throne once again. I know we keep saying that, but Father, what a privilege to be able to come before you through Jesus Christ. And Father, we, as we come, we come with our hearts heavy. Lord, when we hear of those who are struggling, those who are in the midst of the storms of life, and yet, Lord, we come before your throne also with praise. Father, it's good to be here this morning. It's good to be able to sing praises to your name and worship you in spirit and in truth. And it's good to know, Lord, that you're with us, that you are right here among your people. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. For that, Father, we are thankful. And we are very grateful that you once again have allowed us to be in this place. I pray, Lord, that you might help us as we have come, as Pastor Tony has said, to just stop and just pause for a moment and leave all of the cares and concerns outside so that, Lord, we might be able to focus on you, uh, help us to see Jesus and all of his glory and beauty and goodness, and help us, Lord. Uh, to be able to see and focus on those things that are before us. Father, we pray uh, that your word, as we know it is, might be powerful, but powerful in our lives to change us, to mold us, to shape us, to become the people we need to be. Uh, Father, we know we're not who we should be. Uh, we're a long way from being like Jesus. But Father, help us in our walk, in our journey, uh, to become a little bit more like your son uh, each day at a time. Now, Lord, as we look at uh, these folks that we just mentioned, Dorothea, we're thankful, Lord, for the surgery that was a success. Now, Lord, it's therapy and rehab to get back up on her uh, feet once again and be able to get back to normal. We pray that all of this happens very soon and very quickly. We pray for Sarah as well. We do know that it would be good to get home, but uh, Father, because of a few things, Lord, she remains in the hospital. I pray that, Lord, you would uh, help her as well. Lord, it's going to take uh, some rehab, some hard work uh, to get back to where she needs to be. And we pray that you might open and guide her, uh, Father, uh, to the next steps from the Harrisburg Hospital to wherever uh, that might be. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that you would be her strength uh, during this time. And for Joe Miller, Lord, we pray. Uh, we know, Lord, all that he's been through. It's been quite a, a struggle. And, uh, Father, we just ask that, uh, Father, you might be his strength. We know he's very weak right now. Uh, not just physically, Lord, but emotionally and mentally. And so we pray, Lord, that he might draw on your strength. And, Father, you might... Give to him a double portion of your grace. I think, too, of this family. Lord, I know many in the church are very well aware of who uh, this family is. Uh, Father, I pray that you might comfort, especially this uh, mother uh, whose name is Kay. Uh, Father, to have lost a daughter, uh, we can only imagine, we can only imagine the grief uh, that she is going through. And so we commit this entire situation uh, to you and pray, Lord, that you might uh, be their comfort uh, during this time. Give to them a peace, Lord, that passes all understanding. So again, we're thankful, Lord, for our time this morning. Uh, we certainly are grateful uh, that you have chosen to give to us uh, great salvation. We thank you, Lord, for your love, uh, the love that has uh, 
given to us your one and only Son. And thank you, Father, for the willingness of Jesus uh, to lay down his life uh, as a ransom for many. And so, Father, we stand before you this morning with great assurance, knowing that we are in your family. Uh, Father, for those who have put their faith in Jesus, Father, we have been brought into um, the family of God. And for that, we thank you. Use your word this morning, Lord, to change us, to become more like Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Lord, I want to be a Christian. Hymn number 338. Hymn number 338. Leonard's going to come and lead us in this hymn at this time. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart. Lord, I want to be more loving in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be more loving in my heart, in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be I want to be more holy in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be more holy in my heart, in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be more Lord, I want to be like Jesus in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be like Jesus in my heart, in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be Hymn number 280. Hymn number 280. I have a song I love to sing. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we sing this, and then those in junior church can be dismissed. 280. <coughs> <coughs>
And since you have been redeemed, and I trust you have, and since uh, you have been transformed and changed to become like Jesus, how then should we live? That was the sentence that I left us with last week. How then should we live? Since we've been changed, from the inside out. And I said that the same word that's used for the change from a caterpillar to a butterfly, metamorphosis, is used in the Bible, the Greek word metamorpho, to describe our change when we became a Christian. God's miraculous work that took place in every believer is a metamorphosis. We really were changed from the inside. But that inside work, that miraculous change of God's, has major repercussions on outward living. We do need to ask, since we've been changed, since we've been redeemed, how then should we live? In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 and 5, we read this. But because of his great love for us, because of God's great love for us, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. We, the Bible says, we were dead, but now we're very much alive. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things now have become new. Jesus spoke of being born again, being born anew, being born from above. And that's what has taken place within us. We are now new creations in Christ Jesus. I don't think sometimes we really understand the change that took place in us when we trusted Jesus. This whole idea of metaphor, uh-oh. You know, when we look at a butterfly, we see the change. We look at this crawling grub that's slowly just crawling from leaf to leaf. And then all of a sudden we see this miraculous change taking place and we see this butterfly no longer crawling but flying and so we can see that outward physical change when you became a christian the change was not something physical your hair color didn't change you didn't grow a little bit taller or become a little bit stronger the change that took place in us was a spiritual change. You didn't look any different physically when you were converted. There wasn't this outward change in appearance. However, behavior and actions and speech and thinking should have all changed. 
Because when someone is converted, when they truly are changed from dead to becoming alive in Christ, a change does take place in the way we live. And we are to be growing, maturing. We looked last week at Ephesians chapter 4. And there Paul said we should live worthy of our calling. So if you take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Again, we're not moving very fast, and we won't, through this chapter. We're going to look at this chapter this month, uh, at the changes that took place inside, but should come out. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, it says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Now, we looked at that verse last week. Live worthy. But Paul goes on to say this, and this is where we now flesh it out. We say to ourselves, okay, we understand that we ought to be living differently. That our lives ought to be lived worthy of our calling. That we're to become more like Jesus. But what does that look like? What should my behavior be? What should my speech be? Well, he goes on to say this in verse 2. Be. All right, now the, the title of the sermon is what we are becoming. Well, here's what we should be coming. We should be completely humble. We should be gentle. We should be patient. And we should be bearing with one another in love. Now that's a tall order. But if we're going to live worthy, then this is who we need to be. So let's start by looking at the word humble. Be humble. Now remember, we're becoming more like Jesus. And you can't think of Jesus without thinking about humility. Jesus, from the very first day he was born, his life was all about humility. Born in a stable, no place to rest his head. Washing, as we looked at a few weeks ago, the feet of his disciples. And then he goes to the old rugged cross, and there he suffers. Someone has said that um, hum humility is just the opposite of pride, or the opposite of boasting. You know, Paul, he speaks about boasting over in uh, chapter 2 of this same book. In Ephesians 2.8, uh, Paul writes this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Paul was overwhelmed with God's grace. And he even called himself in chapter 3 and verse 8, the least of all of God's people. Actually, he said he was less than the least of all of God's people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said, it's only by God's grace that I am who I am. Paul understood what it meant to be humble. The King James says lowliness. Paul got that. He understood it. Because he was a follower of Jesus who said this, I am meek, Jesus said, and lowly in heart. Jesus had that servant's heart, that servant's attitude. It's thinking more about others than you think about yourself. Someone said this, you know how you can tell you're humble? You know how you can tell whether or not you're humble? It's when suddenly you realize that you've gone a long time without thinking about yourself. Can you go an hour without thinking about yourself, talking about yourself? Or does life, is it all about you? 
this commentator said, you can tell when you're humble, when all of a sudden you realize, you know, it's been a long time since I thought about myself. If you're the center of attention, if you're driven by your wants, and you're pushing for your ways, and always claiming your rights, and you're not a lot like Jesus. Jesus said, I am meek, and I am lowly in heart. Nowhere to be humble. But Paul didn't stop there. Paul says, be completely humble and be gentle. If someone was describing you, would they refer to you as a gentle person? King James says meek. And we often think of meekness as weakness. Far from it. When we think of gentle and meek, we're not thinking of someone who's weak. As a matter of fact, in the days of the New Testament, uh, this word meek actually was used to describe a horse that had been broken. A horse that had been broken. It still had its strength. It still had its spirit. But its will was under the control of another. Someone defined meekness or gentle as power under control. Think of Jesus. Jesus was God in flesh. Which means that Jesus had all the attributes of the Godhead bodily. He was omniscient, which means that he knew all things. But Jesus was also omnipotent, which means that Jesus was all-powerful. And yet Jesus restrained himself, oftentimes, and did not use that strength. He did not use that power. For example, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night in which he was betrayed and the mob, they came to arrest him. And Peter, as Peter is, he took out a sword and he swung it at one of the servants of the high priest. And the Bible says he cut off his ear. Now I believe he went to, for the juggler. I think he was trying to cut off his head, but he cut off his ear. Jesus later heals that ear, but he turns to Peter and says, what? I could have called 10,000 angels, Peter. I am omnipotent. I'm all powerful. I could have stopped this mob, but he didn't. Jesus restrained himself. Was that because he was weak? No. Because he was all-powerful. You know, I often mentioned uh, my, um, I don't know, my interest in a mu new Mustang. <laughs> you know, um, the anniversary of the Mustang I, I drove, my first car, 68, will be in 2018. Wouldn't it be great on the, on, my, on the 50th year, a brand new 2000. Now, I wouldn't just want any Mustang. <laughs> uh, you know, you can't just drive. Well, now, maybe you do. It, a Mustang has to be like all the bells and whistles. I mean, the most powerful engine that you can fit under that hood. And I, I wouldn't want that because I want to drive, you know, 100 miles an hour down the road. I just want to be sitting there at the stop sign when you pull up beside me. <laughs> and it's like, you want to challenge me? That I know that I would win this contest. Now, meekness and gentleness means power, but under control. And when we look at Jesus as an omnipotent God, we often see Jesus gentle and meek. Not that he wasn't strong, but he had his strength under control. You know, this word is actually closely connected with submission. The word gentle and meek 
is very closely connected to the word submission, which Paul uses as we move to the end of this little letter. Because when Paul begins to deal with relationships, he speaks of being submissive. As a matter of fact, in uh, chapter 5 and verse 21, uh, Paul says, uh, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yield one's rights, not asserting your own importance and your own authority on others. Not feeling as though you have to put people in their place or take over the situation. Your thoughts are more about others than yourself. That's what it means to be gentle. That's what it means to be meek. To be like Jesus is to hold back. You might be strong, but you're willing to restrain yourself because of your love for one another. Okay, Paul, we wish you would stop here, but he goes on. Be patient. Well, we'll just skip over that one. Be patient. My wife is always scolding me when I'm behind the wheel. For some reason, when you get behind the wheel, you, you become another person. Does that happen? You know, you know what irks me? <laughs> Tailgaters. I let one have, him, have it the other day. <laughs> I use the windshield wiper trick. Right? When they're on my bumper, they get squirted. <laughs> it's so good to see them back up and put their own wipers on. <laughs> this is time of confession. There's something that gets in my crawl when someone's on my bumper. I don't get that. I slow down. Do you do that? You just slow down purposely. And then when it comes to the dotted line, then you speed up. <laughs> See, all of you that are laughing, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, as you get older and as you walk with the Lord, you're supposed to become more patient. But boy, you get behind a wheel and something changes. You know what it means to be patient? It means to be long-tempered. Long-tempered. To have a long fuse. James tells us in chapter 1 and verse 9, be slow to anger. Slow to anger. Don't let things irk you. Be patient in Penn State traffic. Be patient when the doctor appointment is for 11 and you're still in a waiting room at 1140. That's not easy, is it? That's not easy. Patience is to be a virtue, but it's tough to be patient. Patience is how you respond to frustrations, how you respond to inconveniences, how you respond to delays, how you respond to aggravating people, how you respond to maddening circumstances, to be slow in avenging wrong and retaliating when someone hurts you. Are you patient? It says about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12 that Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, enduring the opposition of sinful men. People wronged Jesus. People hurt Jesus. People made Jesus suffer. And yet the Bible says that Jesus was long-suffering. Patience means it takes a lot to push you over the edge. Be patient. But he doesn't stop there. 
And then he says this, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. Did you know that Jesus didn't like everybody? I didn't say he didn't love everybody. I said Jesus, he didn't like everybody. Back in Luke chapter 9 and verse 41, it says this. Just listen. Jesus said, these are his words, you unbelieving and perverse generation. How long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. How long will I put up with you? Putting up with people. That's what it means to bear with one another. But then he goes on to say, in love. Now, don't forget that little word. Because really, all of these relate to people. And it's hard to be humble and gentle. It's hard to be patient. It's hard to bear with one another if there's no love. But with love, we're able to do these things. But it's only because of love. To endure other people's differences. To endure other people's quirks and their irritating habits. It takes a great deal of love. And that's why Paul includes the word. Because without love, we really can't relate to people as we should. So for us to be humble, for us to be gentle and patient, we need love. These attitudes are possible only because of this love that describes God, this agape love. The highest form of love. One of the commentators used the uh, picture of a large dog. And this large dog is over resting in the corner. You know, he's an older dog and he just wants to be left alone. And then there's this little puppy. You know, just running around and yelping and just trying to distract this older dog. There's a lot of people that come into our lives that are like that little yapping puppy that want to just distract us and they just irk us and their habits are just and Paul says we need to have love if we're going to be able to relate to people the way Jesus related to people this agape love that we read about in John chapter 3 in verse 16, where it says, For God, he so loved the world. And because of that love, he was willing to give his one and only son, so that we who believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. It's that agape love that is spoken of here, that we need in our relationships with one another. A giving love. A sacrificing love. I love what Barclay in his commentator says regarding agape love. He says it's that quality of mind and heart which compels a Christian never to feel any bitterness, never to feel any desire for revenge, but always seeks nothing but the highest good of every man, no matter what men might do to him. That takes agape love. To never feel bitterness. To never feel this desire for revenge. But always seeking the highest good of others. No matter how they treat you. No matter what they do to you. These are the attributes that should mark us if we're living in balance with Jesus, if we're living worthy, these are the attitudes that should be present in our lives. To be like Jesus is to be humble, to be gentle, 
to be patient and to bear with one another in love. Now, we all come to the end of a sermon and we say to ourselves, wow, we fall so short of what has just been said. We all do. And we say to ourselves, where is the strength and the power in me to be able to do all of this? Come back next week, <laughs> and we're going to talk about the power that has been given to us to be able to be like Jesus. This is what it looks like. This is fleshing it out. But where do we find the strength to be able to be humble and to be gentle and patient and bear with one another in love? Father, we thank you again for your word. And um, this morning, Lord, we find ourselves falling short of these requirements of who we need to be. But, Father, we're working on it, but we ask you to help us. And I pray, Lord, that we might have a desire to be more like Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your hymn book, if you would, please, and turn to page 362. 362, more like the master. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing... Uh, stanzas one, two, and three without the refrain, okay? And then we're going to sing the refrain after the third stanza. Got it? Okay. That makes sense? One, two, and three. Then we'll sing the refrain. Let's stand together. More like the master I would ever be, more of his meekness, more humility. More like the master I would ever be, more of his meekness, humility, more zeal to labor, more courage to be true, more consecration for work he bids me do. Back to stanza two. More like the master is my daily prayer. More strength to carry crosses I must bear. More earnest death to bring the kingdom in. More of his spirit wanderer to win. Stanza three. More like the master I would live and grow. More of his love to others I would show. More self-denied, like his in Galilee. More like I long to ever be. Take thou my heart, I would be thine alone. Take thou my heart, make it all thine own. Per <coughs> oh Lord, I now implore. Wash me and keep me thine forevermore. Father, we thank you again for the example of your son. Again, help us to become more like him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Passing out your little letters, too. <laughs>